Hey everyone and welcome back to What's the Plan, the podcast where we dive into the matters of our careers in the architecture and urban planning field. I'm Haley. I'm Andrea. So Haley, what's the plan this week? This week's plan is all about Zaha Hadid. Mm-hmm. So this episode is another In the Hot Spot, um, a series where one of us will be put into the hot spot mm-hmm. by answering questions on a specific topic that we want to explore. Mm-hmm. These topics include concepts that one of us are unfamiliar with, giving us a chance to learn alongside the listeners as the host in the hotspot teaches us all about it. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, here's in the hotspot, Zaha Hadid. So as a lot of you might know, I'm mm-hmm. not familiar with anything that's architecture related whatsoever. Yes. And especially not anything about architects themselves. Yeah. So when Andrea asked me to name some that I knew, mm-hmm. of course, the only one I could think of was Frank Gehry. Mm-hmm. Which I said with very good reason, as he's from Toronto. Oh, so that's actually something that I didn't know, and okay. that's not why I knew him. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason that I knew who he was was from that one Simpsons episode, oh, yeah. where he went to Springfield, and what I remember in this episode is that Marge... Um, she took a piece of paper, uh-huh. crumpled it, and yeah. threw it on the ground. Yeah. And Frank Gehry took that as inspiration for his next building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as lo- for those who don't know Frank Gehry, a lot of his buildings are like sort of like pieces of either metal mm. that are kind of just like clashing each other, and it kind of looks like I guess a crumpled piece of paper. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that the Simpsons episode is a very good like guess. Yeah. Open. Yeah, I thought that was so funny, but from that point on, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, Frank Gehry is, like, the architect. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I asked you, Andrea, mm-hmm. if there were any star architects that you know of, and lo and behold, we got... Zaha Hadid! And, um, just to clarify, before anyone ask, no, there is no relation to Gigi Hadid. And that is a good disclaimer because mm-hmm. I literally asked if Zaha was Gigi's dad <laughs> before yeah. even realizing that, first of all, she is a woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so why don't you tell us more about who Zaha Hadid is? Mm-hmm. So actually, Zaha Hadid was a recognized oh. Iraqi architect, mm-hmm. an artist, and a designer in the late 20th and 21st centuries, okay. particularly in civic architecture. Mm. So let's just get into a bit of her background first. Mm-hmm. Um, she was born in 1950 in Baghdad, Iraq, to okay. a wealthy industrialist family. And Zaha actually developed an interest in architecture through the many childhood trips she would go on with her family to the ancient submarine cities in southern Iraq. Mm. So that's sort of where, like, I guess, Babylon, like, historically was located. Mm-hmm. So um, her mother was an artist, and although her father father's occupation didn't have any direct influence on her pursuit of architecture i think Mm -hmm. it's relevant to point out that like he was someone of significance okay in iraq he held several significant political roles in the 1930s and 40s okay Mm -hmm. and he actually led um or or that actually led him to co-found the national democratic party in Mm -hmm. iraq and serve Mm -hmm. as the minister of finance after the monarch was overthrown in 1958 wow okay yeah so that being said like she is well connected mm-hmm. and able to attend boarding school like throughout her childhood in England and Switzerland mm-hmm. um, for early education. Mm, okay. Yeah, and like despite being interested in architecture since she was a child, she actually studied mathematics first oh, at wow. the uh, American University of Beirut in Lebanon mm-hmm. for undergrad. And it wasn't until 1972 when she actually moved to London to attend um, Architectural Association, mm-hmm. which is more commonly known as AA. 
which is a major center for like progressive architectural thought during the 70s. And um, she actually graduated with one of the top honors called the Diploma Prize. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. So like in Canada, we would have sort of the qu- equivalent to that would be like getting the RAIC like gold prize when you finish your thesis. Mm, okay. So clearly she was a star pupil or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually there at AA where she studied and impressed famous architects mm. um, such as Elias Zengalis, Rem Koolhaas, and uh, Bernard Schumi. Mm-hmm. And throughout this experience, she went on to actually uh, work for one of her, or two of her former professors, mm. Koolhaas and Zengalis, at mm-hmm. the uh, Office for Metropolitan Architecture, commonly known as OMA in uh, Rotterdam. Mm. And if that is familiar, or the OMA sounds familiar, they're actually the people that did the uh, Seattle Library, mm. which is kind of like a curving ramp. Yeah. Yeah, so that's like their most, I guess, iconic project. Mm-hmm. And um, following her professors and her bosses, like in their footsteps, she mm-hmm. also began teaching at AA mm. until 1987. And um, she held numerous chairs and guest professorships at universities around the world, mm-hmm. um, such as uh, University of Columbia, Harvard, and Yale. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so she has a lot, a lot on her resume. Mm-hmm. And eventually, she branched out on her own, and in 1979, mm-hmm. Zaha Hadid started her own firm called Zaha Hadid Architects. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, not very original, but, mm-hmm. like, it's pretty typical for architects to name their firm yeah. for themselves. Mm-hmm. And if you're sort of, like, following along to the dates that I've kind of been, like, mentioning, mm-hmm. um, they seem awfully close apart. Yeah. And initially, I was also confused as far as, because I was just like, wait a second. When I was researching, I was like, how come, uh, like... It's only 1970, and then once again, 1970. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, I guess to clarify, it's like, yeah, she was only 29 years old. So, mm-hmm. like, two years out of master's, and with only two years of professional experience when she actually started her own firm. Oh. So, like, that is quite impressive already. Yeah. Because most people, they don't even, I guess some people don't even have, like, or their first professional experience that soon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or they haven't even, like, taken their exams yet to become a fully licensed architect. Mm-hmm. So for her to want to, like, start on her own is very brave. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, a lot of times, like, people don't even find or found their own firms until, like, either mid-30s or late 40s when they mm-hmm. have a little more experience under their belt. So at this point, how old would she have been? Like, late 20s and early 30s mm-hmm. is when she started her own. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, obviously, given that she was quite young still, mm-hmm. and very green to, I guess, the industry, mm-hmm. um, most of her projects were, or at least her early projects were never built. Mm, okay. Yeah, so in spite of the hurdle, um, in 1983, Hadid shot to international recognition with her competition-winning entry for The Peak, which is a leisure and recreational center on Victoria Peak in Hong Kong, which is wow. why I like myself aware. Yeah. So, the concept behind the design was... Um, a horizontal skyscraper okay and well like what that meant was like it was sort of the design of the building moved at a diagonal or dynamic diagonal down mm-hmm. the hillside mm, okay. so it would like cling to the hill instead of like going straight up as right most like typical skyscrapers mm-hmm. would. and um what she means by i guess uh, horizontal skyscraper was that it was a man-made like polished granite mountain okay that is formed through like excavating suburban subterranean spaces Okay. And uh, to accompany the proposal, Zaha painted several detailed mm. colored paintings to convey her idea. Okay. So, mm-hmm. like, which is also really unusual because mostly you just submit, like, your architectural presentation drawings. Yeah. But, um, this, I guess, initial, like, painting is kind of, like, a reoccurring theme in a lot of her 
future projects. Oh, okay. So this wasn't like just specific to this mm-hmm. project. Yeah. Okay. So like, like given that her mom was an artist, she mm-hmm. also was interested in art and painting. So mm, she it, brought that it. into her architecture work. Okay. And um, and through this competition, her um, aggressive, <laughs> aggressive geometric aesthetic was established. Mm, okay. And um, a consequence of no built projects, her mm-hmm. architectural paintings led many to refer her as a paper architect. Oh. Um, meaning her designs were too like avant garde to be actually built. So mm. it's like very nice to look at, but mm. like it's just impossible to build. So, um, when you say impossible to build, like would it be considered functional at all or just is a question in the functionality of it it was more so it's like there are a lot of um construction questions mm, as in it. like it was not there were not typical details done mm-hmm. so there a lot of research would require and a lot of i guess innovation mm-hmm. that um is not not often like i guess I guess in the architecture industry, a lot of mm-hmm. people are like 20 years behind in when it comes to innovation. Right. So they're like really stuck on the ways of wanting to do things the common way mm, and the cheap it. way. Yeah. So a lot of her designs are a bit too much for people to want to actually build. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So finally, mm-hmm. in 1990, um, she got her first big break in the form of the Vitra Fire Station in Wellheim Ring, Germany. Okay. Oh, wait. I don't think I'm saying that right, but... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Um, which is actually a small fire station mm-hmm. for the factory of a Swiss furniture company. Mm. And um, as the original factory was destroyed by a fire in 1981. So, yeah. So, there's a reason why there was a there's a uh, furniture store with a fire station. Mm-hmm. Because they had an ex- a bad experience with fire oh, and wow. they wanted to prevent that. Okay. So, now they're prepared. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. preparing because also it was in a very small town that didn't have a lot of mm. like... Uh, infrastructure such mm-hmm. as fire station so the yeah. company needed to put money up on their own to do so got it okay mm-hmm. and like similar to the peak the design was composed of a series of very sharp angled planes mm-hmm. uh, made of raw concrete and glass appearing almost like a sculpture wow okay so like i guess there's some similarities to i guess frank Gehry yeah that's and what the i'm paper, thinking of yeah. the paper mm-hmm. and um Unfortunately, when it was completed, it only served as a fire station for a brief period of time, mm-hmm. as the city soon opened their own fire station. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, um, as a result, the building became an exhibition space, which, mm-hmm. I, in my opinion, is a much better suited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, now that she had an actual built project under her belt, she began to get a lot more um projects in the future, where they become sort of her major works. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was in the two, uh, 2000 when this kind of solidified her presence in the industry. Mm, okay. And the first of those many projects is the Lois and Richard Russell Hall Center for Contemporary Art in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Uh, which is a 85,000 square foot building, which opened in 2003. So it's like her first major project was this big art, yeah. art center. And then another project would be the uh, Zara, Zara Gonza Bridge Pavilion. Okay. Which is notable because um, Hadid ventured into the engineer's domain mm-hmm. of bridge construction, mm-hmm. a field also occupied by other top architects such as Norman Foster and Santiago Calatrava. Okay. Um, and in both, uh, this bridge is actually both an exhibit hall and a bridge created for Expo um, 2008, okay. an event on the themes of water and durable development, mm, okay. which is quite fitting because you have like a building over water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like her other structures, the bridge pavilion is composed entirely of diagonal slopes yeah. um, and curves with no right angles and a very low profile. 
and the bridge pavilion fits smoothly into the grassy landscape along the river. Mm. And um, one of the another major work that she completed was actually the London Olympics Aquatic Center, um, which many may have seen on TV before, but didn't know that was done by her. Okay. And um, it was inspired by the fluid geometry of water and movement. So as the uh, subject of much comment when it was constructed, mm -hmm. and it was it was um, the first. Wait, the first building for the 2012 Olympics to be built. Oh. But it was actually the last to be finished, given how complicated <laughs> the design and the uh -huh. geometries were, because, like, once again, there are very little, or very minimal straight lines. Mm -hmm. A lot of curves. Wow, okay. And uh, a much later project is the Haydar uh, Ali Center in Baku. Um, it is a gigantic cultural and conference center. Mm -hmm. Um, containing three auditoriums, a library, and a museum. Wow. And it's um, it's fluid form emerges from the folds in the natural topography of the landscape mm -hmm. and envelops the different functions of the center. So through the uh, building, when completed, was largely like surrounded by Soviet-era apartment blocks. So mm -hmm. like when you look at pictures of it, it's quite um, catching or eye-popping mm -hmm. because you see a bunch of like curves in the horizon when mm -hmm. you're surrounded by just like tall apartment towers. Yeah. And once again, there are no straight lines was used in this project. Jeez. And like the shape of the building is wave-like and the overall view is quite unique and some people call it harmonic. Mm -hmm. And um, another building is the Innovation Tower in Hong Kong, uh, which is mm. a poly for the Polytechnic University. Which is also once again a lot straight angle, or yeah. lots of straight diagonals, mm -hmm. very little straight lines, yeah, and um, a lot of concrete. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And considering she was like only and continuing on an upwards trajectory, yeah, it was quite sudden and shocking when the world uh, learned that she had passed away in 2016. Oh, fairly recently. Yeah, fairly recently mm -hmm. from a heart attack while uh, being treated for bronchitis. <gasps> oh no. Yeah. So it was like it was not something that she was aware, mm -hmm. no one was aware about. Mm -hmm. And at the time of her death, um, she had left 36 unfinished projects, <gasps> which is a lot considering she probably only had like 36 built projects, or yeah. even less than that, including the um, 2022 World Cup Stadium, Okay. the um, Antwerp Port House, mm -hmm. which actually was completed shortly after her death, oh, okay. um, the King Abdullah Petroleum Studies and Research Center. Okay. Yeah, and um, a... Oh, another building in uh, Saudi Arabia. So mm -hmm. fortunate for her and those like in those projects, mm -hmm. um, her business partner Patrick Schumacher actually assumed leadership of her mm -hmm. firm, mm -hmm. ensuring the completion of existing commissions and like the procurement of new ones. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he is now still continuing on her legacy of her work and uh, at the firm that's still named after her. Oh, that's so nice. Mm -hmm. Wow. So now that we know a little more about who Zaha Hadid is. Mm -hmm. Let's get into why she's significant in the architecture world. Yeah, so she's significant for mostly, I guess, three or two reasons. Okay. Um, the first being her design. Mm -hmm. is quite unique and very different. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, so a lot of people would describe her work as uh, deconstructivism. Okay. Which, where it stands from is like the aggressive like geometric designs are often char uh, characterized by a sense of fragmentation mm, mm -hmm. and instability and movement okay. so like in that kind of fits under the deconstructive movement that kind of was started i guess in the late 1950s after mm. world war ii that was really popular then mm -hmm. as people were kind of like rebelling from the tradition or the modern architecture mm -hmm. movement mm -hmm. where everything was very minimal very yeah. clean 
So, yeah, so people kind of, like, attribute her to that group, but she's not necessarily belonging to them. Mm-hmm. And another element of her design is that um, her, because she was sort of known for this fragment of style, mm-hmm. um, she was actually included in a lot of uh, museum exhibits that wanted to talk about that style of architecture, even though she wasn't quite. So that kind of helped propel her into more, like, larger significance mm-hmm. by grouping her into a very rare group of uh, architects. Mm-hmm. Another design uh, significance of hers is that a lot of her works are really like neo futurism mm-hmm. and uh, p- based on like parametricism. Yeah. So, what that means is like she really accepts the use of technology to draw and make models of design, mm. which allow for the design to sort of look very high tech architecture mm-hmm. and do things that like a normal, typical human could not like draw on, on mm. pen and paper. Right. And so, like, the computer would generate the emergence of, like, artistic modes that would have been impossible prior to, like, computer technique. So, it's, like, sort of how we mentioned it in the drone episode, where, mm-hmm. like, these computers can kind of pinpoint one point in space that, mm-hmm. like, a person cannot figure out, like, the, the, the X, Y, Z of a position. Mm-hmm. So, like, this these computers kind of help her create these, like, wavy, curvy designs that, like, typically you wouldn't know how to execute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is um, abstractionist. Which is the slow liquidity of her lava-like buildings, because they're like kind of wavy, mm, mm-hmm. and they broke with like the stiff classical columns of colonial times or all the uh, the European like modernist boxes and grids mm. and symmetries. Yeah. So because she was doing something very different, that also mm-hmm. made her stand out. Yeah, for sure. And um, as well, her uh, detailed colored paintings mm-hmm. were often exhibited as works of art in major museums. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like museums that she designed? No, oh, like other museums cool. that are sort of honoring that kind of style oh, okay. of work. They're like, okay. oh, she's famous. She has mm-hmm. some nice paintings. They mm-hmm. look good. And then they want to include it. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. And like a lot of times these drawings kind of like show a very like pulled apart piece part and pieces of like the design sort of mm-hmm. like an exploding axo mm-hmm. of the site and program so like mm-hmm. they're not like just like abstract paintings but they right. have like a base and i guess the second main reason why she is significant mm-hmm. is that she was the first in a lot of things for a woman in architecture mm, i was gonna ask that when we were going through her history yeah mm. so i don't know if you watched snl or follow simu Liu on like on social media but just recently uh, mm-hmm. i think like three weeks ago him and um bowen yang who is a snl cast member okay they made this whole skit of being like the first asian american to do something and like mm-hmm. how they each they would each win awards mm-hmm. and try to up each other saying like i was the first asian american to come to canada mm-hmm. or like to move to the states and then we yeah. get medals for it so in that same way like how they were kind of became the first of like first Marvel superhero mm-hmm. and that gained significance. Mm-hmm. She was the first architecture or for the first architect that was a woman to do something and that mm-hmm. really contributed to her celebrity. Wow, okay. Yeah, and a lot of times her uh, unique designs mm-hmm. were quite interesting, especially for a woman mm-hmm. in a male dominant industry that allowed also allowed her to get these firsts. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I dive into some of those like firsts and her praises, what mm-hmm. do you think of her so far? She sounds like an incredibly talented and extremely creative individual. Mm-hmm. Um, from what you've said, especially when you said um, when you talked about her design for the first twenty twelve Olympic, mm-hmm. um, 
building to be construct to begin construction Mm -hmm. but was the last to be completed yeah that kind of I think gave me a really good understanding of what her designs are like and Mm -hmm. how much thought has to go behind actually um putting her designs together yeah so even though she's so creative and so must have such like good ideas I can't help but to think that even though these ideas are so creative mm-hmm. they're they might not be the best ideas mm-hmm. and they're probably being built to appease her yeah um but i don't know like i don't know anything about architecture i don't know about like how things work really in that world mm-hmm. but so far i get the idea that she because of um her status her celebrity status mm-hmm. um no matter how crazy and out out there her ideas are Mm -hmm. and no matter how much um people think that her designs may not be possible to build Mm -hmm. or to build and to um like how hard it might be to build they still will do whatever they can to try to complete her designs and Mm -hmm. bring her designs to fruition just to make her happy yeah um so i don't know at this point right now i think She's a little out there, is my opinion of her. Yeah, Yeah, so, like, a reason why a lot of people do like her, because Mm -hmm. she's out there, is, like, when you want to stand out, Mm -hmm. you want to do something different, and, like, you would go to her for something different. You wouldn't go to another architect that would just build the same kind of, Mm -hmm. like, boxy building or boxy museum. Yeah, like, cookie-cutter buildings. Yeah, exactly. So, because there's a lot of people that do have, like egos or mm-hmm. have reputation they would like to mm-hmm. uphold she has a lot of clients that would want to right. want these kind of like buildings that are a bit more um unique so let's get into some of the praises and go mm-hmm. into the details of the accomplishments that, la- that led to her being the first woman in architecture okay to do something so in 2004 she became the first woman to be awarded the pritzker architecture prize mm-hmm. which is considered the nobel prize in architecture wow okay. like that equipment like the nobel yeah. priest prize the nobel science prize like that mm-hmm. is that is the award for architects mm, that a okay. lot of people strive to get yeah and yeah she was the first one to do so in 2004 mm-hmm. which is pretty early in her career mm. and even the uh, prisker awarding jury also mentioned that like although she only had a couple of buildings under her belt mm-hmm. they knew she had a very very promising future mm. and they wanted to like recognize her early right okay Mm-hmm. So another first for a woman is uh, the Center for Contemporary Art in Cincinnati, Ohio, mm-hmm. made her the first woman to design an American museum. Wow. The first woman in mm-hmm. America. Nin- wow. Like, this is, like, early 2000s. For, it, yeah. It took that long for... What? <laughs> American Museum. Yeah, considering how many... How many museums there are yeah. in every city, multiplied mm-hmm. by all cities in the U.S., it's quite shocking to learn that, like, it took 2,000 years for a woman to design yeah. a museum. Wow. So, which is another reason why mm-hmm. she was significant. And um, not only was she the first woman to earn the London Design Museum's mm-hmm. Design of the Year, mm-hmm. um, 
since this award judges designs in architecture, furniture, fashion, mm. graphics, product, and transportation, mm-hmm. she was actually the first from the architecture category. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So like, wait, sorry, the first like overall or first woman in the architecture. So she category? was not only the first architect to be nominated. Yeah. Oh. She's okay. also the first woman because she was the first. Oh, of got both it. Genders. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in addition to being the first uh, woman in, in a lot of a lot of these awards, mm-hmm. she has basically won every architecture award out there. Wow. Uh, but here are some notable ones. Mm-hmm. So she has won back-to-back Sterling Prize Awards in 2010 and 2011, mm-hmm. which is awarded by the uh, Royal Institute of British Architects, okay. which is like the British equivalent of like the Royal Architects of Royal Architecture Institute of Canada. Okay. Um, the, which like do the do the licensing and certification of mm-hmm. architects. Mm-hmm. Um, then this Sterling Prize recognizes the best building of a British architect completed in the past year. Mm. So it's already difficult to get it once, but to get it back-to-back is mm-hmm. uh, pretty difficult. Wow, yeah. And another one is that she was uh, nominated by Times Magazine as one of the 100 most influential people in the world. Wow. Yeah, so in the 2010, this happened in 2010, she won the world's top thinker. For her oh. innovative designs. Okay. Mm-hmm. And another award was the Dame Commander of the Order of the British Empire, which mm-hmm. was awarded by Queen Elizabeth II in 20, uh, 2012. And mm-hmm. um, although she was, like, born raised and raised in Iraq, she actually became a naturalized citizen of the United Kingdom through her studies and, like, mm-hmm. starting her practice there. Right, Which okay. allowed her to get this award. Mm-hmm. And another unique one is the UNESCO Artists for Peace. Okay. I'm not sure what exactly like in, that entitles, mm-hmm. but the fact that UNESCO, which normally recognizes like significant heritage or historical places around the world, yeah. we're giving awards to actually people mm-hmm. and for peace, <laughs> uh-huh. um, I think it was quite notable. And another part to her, I guess, allure, her celebrity, is that she actually ventured out into a lot of different... Um, art or uh, I guess art forms okay she also designed furnitures mm. jewelry footwear bags wow interior spaces such as restaurants and stage sets mm. so like stages is actually pretty common because a lot of people that go into architecture and don't actually end up working in the architecture mm-hmm. industry they go into like theater design or stage design for oh, a lot okay of, like, yeah like, theater movies all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so it was it was pretty like it's pretty not on. It's pretty common for people to kind of like go that way, and in like two thousand nine, she worked with um, the clothing brand Lacoste. Oh wow! To create a new high fashion advanced boot. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Like some of her like ventures are actually with existing big brands, so mm. it's like that also helps propel her even more to mm-hmm. I guess house become a household name. Mm-hmm. And in uh, twenty fourteen, she designed a stage set for the Los Angeles Philharmonic production mm-hmm. of uh, Wolfgang Mozart's Cosi uh, Fantuti, I believe. Oh, okay. So, although there is a lot of praise around her, mm-hmm. there is also a lot of criticism. And once right. again, those criticisms kind of relate back to her being a woman. Oh, okay. When you have a male-dominant industry, yeah. obviously, mm-hmm. a lot of people would critique that when something about you that stands out mm-hmm. also is a downfall. Yes. So, because Zaha was a woman, a lot of supporters believed that she was often subjected to controversies that her male counterparts were not a part of. Yeah. And some of these include, I guess, her designs, 
They considered mm -hmm. um, her elaborate forms were often deride, and the expensive scale of many of her commissions were frequently ridiculed. Okay. So, like, some of her, like, diagonal designs that you would see often, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people would say, like, oh, there are, male pe there are male architects that are doing this, but they're not getting the same criticism, mm -hmm. and they contribute that because of she's a woman. Yeah. And, like, it doesn't already, it already doesn't help that, like, her design was already out there, that a lot of people weren't comfortable with it, mm -hmm. but the fact that, like, she was, her profile is, like, different than mm -hmm. other people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, like, some of these, uh, critiques were actually, pro like, the problematic site for the, uh, London Aquatic Center, mm. which actually, she already had to, like, scale that back to actually get it built. Wow. Okay. So, like, the fact that it was, like... First to start, last to finish. Mm -hmm. It's like, if she didn't scale it back, it might have not finished in time for oh, Olympics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And another one was uh, actually another Olympic building. There were protests notably for her, um, by actually Japanese architects, that led her to scrap the plan altogether for the new national stadium for the uh, 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. Oh. And I think the new national stadium actually hosts the uh, judo and mm -hmm. matches. And um, I recall seeing from TV that they just reused the uh, existing one that, that they had built for a previous Olympics, mm -hmm. and I think that probably was because she had to like scrap her plans, so they just reused right. and rebuild it. Another major criticism mm -hmm. of hers is actually her partnerships, who she works with. Okay. And um, one of the major projects that were ridiculed was the Haydar Aliyev Center in Baku, um, where the building was named for the former ruler of Azerbaijan. Mm -hmm. Haydar Ali, okay. and commissioned by his son Ilham, who became president after his father's death in 2003. Okay. And the reason why this building, the name of the building, mm -hmm. who the building was uh, commissioned by, was um, controversial, is because the uh, the ruler was accused of human rights abuse, oh, balloting cool. irregularities, and intimidating the opposition while in power. Okay. Yeah, and several architects or architecture critics mm -hmm. who admired the work itself um, felt that Zaha should have raised questions about this repressive leader. And even mm. as she accepted the commission, um, others questioned the UK granting its most prestigious architect or architecture award to a building which memorialized a vicious Soviet dictator. Mm -hmm. I can see that being yeah. a problem. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, that's a little bit controversial. Mm -hmm. And then a second one is a which is still, like, in uh, major discussions because yeah. it's still being built, is the um, stadium for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Mm -hmm. And the controversy for this doesn't didn't start off, like, based around her. Okay. But because um, she has a building being built in Qatar it, and eventually involved her. Mm -hmm. So what happened was in 2014, a report disclosed that some, like, about thousand foreign workers mm -hmm. had died because of poor working conditions oh, no. across construction sites in the city yeah and when asked about the deaths in an interview because her project was being about mm -hmm. to be built um hadid had objected to her responsibility as an architect to ensure safe working conditions and her remarks are widely regarded as insensitive mm -hmm. and um her comments themselves became a whole ordeal when a journalist actually published an article claiming that the thousand foreign workers died were because of her project alongside mm -hmm. her statement and um obviously that was that's not true so she filed for defamation and luckily she won okay so like although initially like the thousand construction workers didn't really involve her projects but mm -hmm. because of her comments and because of her 
um, building being built, it's like it kind of involved her and people are a lot of people were kind of upset to see that like she said that it's not the architect's responsibility to ensure a safe working space mm-hmm. when they're the ones in charge of making sure everything is mm-hmm. like working wow. so yeah so overall her critics would sum her up with the famously uh well yeah with famously extravagant architectural language and um a building for dictators oh geez yeah so it's like a double-edged sword mm-hmm. like sort of a compliment but also like an undercut Wow. Mm-hmm. So from what we've learned so far, what I gather um, is that Zaha Hadid is a very, as I've mentioned already, creative, mm-hmm. exceptionally talented architect. Mm-hmm. But as a person, is a little questionable. <laughs> yes, yeah. So like, it comes to questions like, can you separate the art and the mm-hmm. artist? And should you separate the art and yeah. artist? Mm-hmm. Um, that is that is still up for debate. <laughs> wow, I guess that also um, the fact that she has been questioned mm-hmm. about like building or designing a building for a dictator mm-hmm. goes back to a question we've posed in the past in our podcast. Yeah, where um, if we are presented with a project that goes against our beliefs, mm-hmm. what we would do? Yeah, and so I guess I mean. Assuming that dictatorship isn't something that Zaha Hadid would have, like, believed in, Mm -hmm. I guess we know what her answer to our question would have been. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, now that um, we know my thoughts about her, what are your thoughts about her? So, I think when I was learning about her, I was actually, like, conditioned or given a biased opinion. Mm -hmm. Because... I didn't learn about her until I started architecture school, university, okay. yeah. and the professor that actually taught us about her mm-hmm. um, was a huge critique of her. Mm. He didn't like her at all. Really? Okay. He would always, like, uh, what was it, I guess downplay her works, he would always, oh. like, think, like, their, her designs were stupid and all that kind of stuff, so it's like, I was conditioned to believing that she... She was not an architect that we should fully support. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I felt conflicted because, like, learning about her her amazing works, her prestige, and mm-hmm. her being the first woman to achieve a lot of things, it's yeah. like, that is significant to me. Because mm-hmm. as a woman who wants to break into the architecture field, it's like, I can look up to her as yeah, a trailblazer. Sure. But at the same time, like, I do understand where her, like, design controversies and the people that she works with mm-hmm. come in. So, um... I feel conflicted. It's yeah. like, I do like some of her work, not mm-hmm. all of them, but at the same time, like, I do question her, her ethics. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, that is still up for debate whether I fully like her or fully dislike her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, now that she has, I guess, passed on, mm-hmm. um, and you mentioned before that her architecture firm is, um, like, someone else is now looking over it. Mm-hmm. Are there plans to continue on with that architecture firm? At the moment, yes. Okay, okay, that's um, good. Yeah, but also, when she passed away, and mm-hmm. when her business partner actually took charge, mm-hmm. there were a lot of um, issues regarding her estate. Mm. Between her, her... She didn't have children on her own, but right. she had put her niece and nephew, I believe, mm-hmm. as one of the four people that were to, like... Uh, 
I guess, distribute her wealth and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. figure out, like, her legacy and work that out. Mm-hmm. And her business partner wanted to take over on all other aspects and take over the power from all the other three. Oh. So there was a bit of controversy over, like, how her legacy was going to play out and how mm-hmm. her firm was going to play out. But at the moment, um, Zaha Hadid Architects is still around. And okay. they're still working on a lot of projects. Right. And uh, even just now, like, they, they made this NFT design building <laughs> for um, Art Basel in Miami. Wow. So they're okay. still alive and kicking and continuing Dang. on her uh, unique designs. Wow. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice to see that, like, even though she's no longer here, yeah. her ideas are still being mm-hmm. um, brought to fruition. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, another thing I like about her or, like, like about the, the work that her firm does is, mm-hmm. like, it's not strictly architecture. Okay. Because, like, architects, you, you learn about a lot of different things in order to make a building. You mm-hmm. have to understand how, like, whatever you're designing, how people would move through a building and like Mm -hmm. pass through it so it's nice that like these architects are actually exploring different um artistic creations or artistic forms Mm -hmm. which not a lot of people do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow so learning about who zaha hadid is and her legacy was the plan for now Mm -hmm. listen to our next episode to continue figuring it out with us thanks for following along to this episode if you liked it please give it a like Review, subscribe for more, and until then, follow us on Instagram at What's the Plan Podcast for what the next plan is.